I was tempted to text Pete this morning and say, sorry mate, I've got nothing, so I'm not going. Um, someone said to me as they came in just before, you must have slept really well last night. And, and I did. And um, if, you're a, if you're a Queenslander and you like rugby league, you, you had to have slept really well last night. Really well. Um, it was just was a joy last two weekends. <laughs> uh, but we'll see what happens next weekend. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Anyway, I should stop being unspiritual and um, we'll go on a little journey together. You got a Bible with you this morning? Turn to Matthew chapter 6. My name's Cole if you don't know me. And I'm, I have nothing to do with the project, but I'm just here to preach this morning. Nah, that's not true either. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read starting at verse 19. My message this morning is entitled, um, A Treasure Worth Keeping. Starting at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, I looked up treasure in the dictionary. I'd just like to read out what it said. Yeah, a treasure is a store of wealth or riches, especially precious metals or money, anything or a person greatly valued, to store up for further use, to regard as precious or to cherish. So if I ask you the question this morning, do you think that we live in a treasure-seeking world? Your answer would be, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We're into treasure, we're into building a kingdom, mostly our own, um, and we're mostly, we're mostly into what is good for us, mostly. Um, and so that's the, type of, that's the type of world we live in, that's what Western culture promotes, you see it everywhere, it's all over the television, uh, radio, on billboards as you drive, um, in shops, it is just everywhere, our culture is just smothered in the person to look after and the thing that you treasure the most is what you can gain for yourself. Agreed? So I'd like to just talk about four things about treasure this morning Um, and they would be number one, storehouse, number two, moth, rust and thieves, number three, the treasure of him, treasure of God and number four, just about what our biggest treasure is. So let us begin. I told everyone this morning when they came in the second service, I said, oh, Sue's here somewhere, and um, if you want to see her. And, um, but she, she's not. Um, I rang her and she'd already got home. So thanks for telling me. Well, I, was out, I was out the back, I think, and she was looking. Storehouse. A storehouse is... 
something or a place where something valuable is kept. Um, so if you're a guy and you have a shed, there's lots of valuable things that are kept in your shed. Um, could be cars, or, I don't know, could be tools, I don't know. Also, most of us, if we don't own a house, we, we live in a house. Um, if you don't live in a house, and I've got a big one, you can come and live with me. Um, but a lot of valuable things are there. You know, our spouse, our children. So it's full of our treasures and our things, our stuff. It's full of stuff that we like. So a storehouse, something where something valuable is kept. So if we talk about us, our storehouse is our heart. That's where things are kept. That's where things are hidden, things are exposed, things are valued in our heart. It's a great storehouse. And it's a place where we, we keep our most treasured personal thoughts, feelings, things like that. One of the greatest treasures that we have the opportunity to keep there is Jesus. Jesus wants to be in our heart. He wants to be a continual inflow into our heart so that he can be the continual outflow. So what um, he wants to be that, if we, we might just look that up actually. If we just look up Luke chapter 6, go from Matthew 6 to Luke 6 and we'll just have a little read there. Luke 6, verse 43 to verse 45. It says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from brares. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. So if we just were to change that for a minute, that word good, and we were just to put God in there, a God-man or person brings good things out of the God stored up in his heart. So what it's basically saying is whatever's in here is what comes out. So if in here is full of things that aren't that healthy and aren't that godlike, then that's probably what's going to come out. So um, if we have things in here that um, hurts, pains, attitudes, unforgiveness, whatever is in here will always be what, what comes out. So we need to store good things in our heart, yeah? We need to store God in there. We need our heart to be full of him. So that's what comes out. So that's a little bit about storehouse. The storehouse, our heart. Our heart is where our treasure is. Number two, moth, rust and thieves. What is something obvious about moths? What do they do? They eat holes. They eat holes. They eat holes in their clothes. And other things. But they eat holes in their clothes. So moths destroy so I've just aligned one thing with moss, rust and these, one thing for each. But I mean there could be, there's, there's lots. But we'll just have a little talk about one. So when I was thinking about something that eats at us or eats holes in us or um, destroys us, the thought that popped to mind straight away was unforgiveness. 
Unforgiveness eats away at us. It destroys us. Um, makes us bitter. Causes us to be bitter. So it eats at us. It's like a moth. A moth in your cupboard. If you go to your cupboard to get your favourite jumper out and you give her a bit of a shake and hang it out, it's got a hole. And it, just, it just doesn't make you feel good, does it? Same. If you've got unforgiveness, it just doesn't make you feel good. And um, that can destroy us. Well, that can be part of what destroys. Number two, rust. Rust, rust makes a structure weak. If, if you like cars, you don't like cars that have rust in them. If you go and look at a car and you find a piece of rust, the chances are you probably won't buy it, unless it's a fixer-upper, and then you might. Rust destroys. It makes a structure weak. So if you've got rust in the foundation of a, a steel building, it's not good. It's not good. It makes it weak. So I was thinking about what makes our foundation weak. What makes us weak? Well, I'll give you one thing, and that is the fear of man. It leaves our foundation weak because we put our trust in someone, as in a person, but not God. So if, we, if man's what we trust, if man, there's three little things that start with S, and they are security, self-worth, and significance. And that's pretty much what everybody is on the search for. We want to feel secure. We want to have a sense of great self-worth. And we want to be significant in our world. We, we look for those things. What If we look for those things in, in, um, in people, what usually happens? We, we get disappointed because they can't offer what God can offer. So it makes us weak. When we trust man for those things, our foundation is not good. It's not good. We need to put our trust in God for those things. He is the giver. He's the greatest giver of security, the greatest giver of, of, our, of helping us to feel a sense of worth, helping us feel worthwhile. He gives that. And, um, and, uh, and we get our significance from him. If we, if we keep running around to make ourselves significant, then we'll always fall down because God is the only one that can offer it to its fullest. So moths and rusts, thieves. What do thieves do? They easily take what's not theirs. Anyone ever had the house robbed? If you have, if someone's come into your house that, that is a thief, they'll usually take something. I don't think anyone ever breaks into a house, unless you own it. I've had to break into mine a couple of times because I locked myself out. But they usually come in and they want something, they take something that's not theirs. So they, they take something. So I thought about that and control. Control is about taking some, something for, from someone or having, taken, having something taken from you. We are not free. If we are a controlled person, if someone's controlling us, then we are not free to be ourselves. We are not free to be the person that God has created us to be. Or if we look at that vice versa... If we control people, if, if, we, if part of making our world safe is all about controlling those that are around us, part of making my world safe was about controlling Susan. She's not here so I can talk about her. Um, if part of um, my keeping my world safe was about controlling her and making her do what I want her to do, then I'm, I'm taking something from her. I'm taking, I'm, I'm robbing. I'm robbing something. I'm not allowing 
what I what I should be doing is empowering her to be the person that God's created her to be, um, which which I try to do. But um, when when I'm not in a good place with God, when I'm not when He's not filling my storehouse, well then sometimes I might try to do things that control her world, and um, it doesn't 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 end well. Doesn't end well. It's not a good thing to do. So thieves take. So when we control, we take. We take something from someone. Well, if we control, then we've had something taken from us. And um, it's just not right. Storehouse, moth, rust and thieves. And uh, thirdly, the treasure of him. I want to read a little um, caption out of a book that um, would be great for all of us to read. It's from a guy, it's from Paul Tripp, which um, is a popular author mentioned from this pulpit by P. Sondergaard. Um, and it's a little book called Forever, if you want to chase it up. It's got the title is Forever, Why You Can't Live Without It. I want to read a little caption from there and I want to read, so if you want to just get your Bibles ready and go to Psalm 73 and we'll, um, we'll have a look at that as well and have a little chat about that. But let's just look at this section out of this book to start with. Psalm 73 powerfully reminds us that life is not, that this life is not all there is. The point of life is not personal temporal pleasure. An end is coming. All that is now will be made right. All that is now wrong will be made right. In pointing us to the final end of things, Psalm 73 tells us what the drama of life is all about. We were made to have God as the one life-shaping treasure in our hearts. But sin turns us in on ourselves. It causes us to forget who we are and that God exists. It turns us into little self-sovereigns. You like that word? It turns us into little self-sovereigns, wanting to reign for whose glory? For our own glory. Just keep that in your mind. Being a little self-sovereign wanting to reign in our own glory. I'm just going to read Psalm 73. There's a bit to read, but it's a, it's a good read. It's a very good read. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I en- what's that? envived the arrogant when I saw prosperity of the wicked. They had no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens of common, that are common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of, of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore the people turn to them and drink the waters, drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does, he, does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. I'm not sure about the wicked. I feel pretty wicked some days because some of that section there talks a lot about me. Talks a lot about me. 
Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have watched my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Let's talk about us trying to be good little Christians. But we're in control of us trying to do all that. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. Who can keep their heart pure? I can't. I try in vain, but I can't. I can't do it. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. And it goes on. They just find it oppressive. When we try to do life ourselves, when we try to live out of a storeroom that's empty of God, it's just oppressive. We can't. But then it says in verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood the final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. That's a bit of an honest statement, isn't it? When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, verse 23, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you take me into glory. Despite ourselves, despite me, despite us, God is always there. God never leaves. He's always there. He's always with me. He's always there ready to guide me, always ready to offer me counsel. And he's going to take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. Isn't that the prayer of your heart? Isn't that the prayer of, don't we want that? Don't we want that? Sometimes we don't live it, but is it the desire of our heart? There's nothing I desire beside you. My heart, my flesh and my heart, they may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and he is my portion forever. Those who far away will perish. Those who are far away from you will perish. Sorry. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge and I will tell of all your deeds. But as for me, it is good to be what? To be near God. Near God. I have made what? The sovereign Lord, my refuge. Remember that little last statement in the book when it says, I have made the sovereign me, my refuge? It's hard work. But when we come into that place where we have made the sovereign Lord our refuge, then we can tell of all his great deeds. Because what, what, what can we tell before that? I can tell of all of Colin's great deeds. 
which don't really amount to that many and wouldn't take very long. But if I acknowledge that I am near to God, as for me, I am near to God. And I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. And I will, I will tell of all these things. Treasure him. And I just want to read another little section here. The temporary pleasures of this present world sorry, are meant to point you to the lasting pleasure of knowing God. The rising of the sun each morning is meant to remind you of his faithfulness. The crushing power of a devastating storm is designed to make you reflect his power. The sweetness of a human kiss is meant to remind you of his tender care. The dependency of the baby is there to remind you of your constant need of God. The fading beauty of the daffodil is meant to help you see his natural sorry, his eternal beauty. The imperfect justice of human of the human community is designed to make you thankful that God is perfectly just. The tender moment of human mercy is there to cause you to rest in his mercy. The five course meal is an opportunity to reflect on and be thankful for the spiritual food you need and that God graciously gives. The shifting stars in the night are created to remind you that Jesus is the light that never shifts or fades. Every experience of love is meant to point you to his love. Every moment of grace is there to cause you to run to his grace. All creation is a finger pointing to God. It was not meant to replace him. Isn't that good? That is so good. Creation points to God. God never created the world for us to use for our own glory. And we do. We live in a world that is full of people that use it for their own glory. And we do. But it actually points to him. It points to him. Number four. Treasure. So we know that God is our biggest and greatest treasure. And he wants to be, he wants to fill our storehouse and he wants to erode what's not meant to be there so we're full of him. So if we like Paul Tripp, a little sovereigns, then we are our biggest treasure. Life is about me. It revolves around me. But what if today wasn't all about me? What if it was all about him and all about others? Every day is a treasure. So one of our biggest treasures is today. Today is a treasure. Why? Because tomorrow I might not be here. So today needs to be a treasure. So today, if today was a treasure and today was all about him, about God, my father, and about others, these are some of the things that might be happening in my life. And today, if for you, if it was all about him and about others, these are some of the things that might be happening in your life today. And we can just have a little think about these. Today, I would be learning about God. 
today, I would be receiving revelation from him. I would have received revelation from yesterday if my life was not all about me, but I'd receive new revelation today because there's an endless supply. Today I would be experiencing more of his love because what I received of his love yesterday is not enough to get me to the end of the day. I need, I, need, I need it today. And then I'll need some more tomorrow if I'm around. So I would be experiencing his love. Today, I would be becoming more like him if my life was about him. What about if my life was about him and others? What would be happening? What could I be thankful for? And who could I be thankful for? How can I show God's love to others? How can I be God with skin on? How can I empower them to know him? How can I, or sorry, who can I build relationship with today? And whose life can I enrich today? There's nothing in there about me. So I should go home and rewrite that probably because it should be for me, shouldn't it? No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't because that's not where life is found. That's not where our biggest treasure is. Our biggest treasure is in God and in others. And today is to be treasured. Today is to be treasured. I'll be learning about God. I'll be receiving revelation from him. I'll be experiencing more of his love and I am becoming more like him. Filling your heart with the treasure of him. I just want you to go back to that, the scripture we started with in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. This is that last bit. For out of the out for out of the overflow of his heart his mouth speaks. Are we overflowing with God's treasure? Are we overflowing with him? Because out of our overflow we speak. If our storehouse is empty or if it's full of the things that aren't from him we're not really going to speak great things and good things and build up ourselves in the body. Let's, can we stand together? It's short but sweet. He said a shorter service and I believed him. I just want you to think about for a minute, firstly about your storehouse, about your heart, and I want you to think about what, what is, what's in my heart. What's really in my heart. And if God had a torch, what would he want to shine on in there? What would he want? A lot more of him and a lot less of us. What parts of that would there be? So that our storehouse becomes more and more full of what he's about, about him. And that what we're giving out. What are we giving out? Is our life about God? How much of our day is spent thinking about him and his people 
Well, how much of a day is taken up by thinking about ourselves? We're just going to think for a little bit and then I'm just going to pray as we finish. Let's just be silent before God and just meditate on those things before him. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness and your grace toward us. And God, I I thank you that you love us way too much to leave us how we are. I thank you that you are the greatest treasure, the greatest gift that we've ever been given. And something, as it's said in the meaning of treasure, it's something that we can cherish. And we want to be able to cherish you, Father. And Father, I just ask that if our storehouse is empty or if our storehouse has got stuff in there that just blocks you out, that just keeps you from flowing in and then flowing out, I just ask that you help us to see it. That you help us not only to see it, but you help us to recognise it, you help us to own it, you help us to talk about it, And you help us to get healed, Father, so that you are coming in. And then as you come in and go out, what a wonderful effect that's going to have on us and those people around us, Father. So we commit that to you and we ask that of you. We thank you for the beautiful day and we commit it to you and the rest of it to you, Father. And I just ask that you bless these people as they go. Bless them and bless those around them, Father. In your wonderful name. Amen.